0: Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and empowering you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us. As always, you're welcome to join us on this Illuminate journey. Follow us on all the social media. On Facebook, we are the Z-Rod Network on Facebook. Go there, look, listen, and like. You can see and listen to archived shows dating all the way back As far as 2011 or 2010, I don't know. Just go there and pick one that you might like. (laughs) And on Twitter, the show handle is at Zerob Radio. And we're excited about what we've been doing and how we've been sharing there on Twitter. And my personal handle, if you just choose to follow me on social media, uh, I at Dr. Lorenzo Neal on Facebook, at Lorenzo T. Neal on Twitter, and at Dr. Lorenzo Neal on Instagram. I'm sure I'm on somewhere else, too. Also, make sure that you visit the website. We haven't updated it in a while. we got to update that website. We're going to do that. But... <laughs> Also, if you haven't done so, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Zero Today, be a patron by going to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal, sign up for one of the tiers for as little as a dollar a month, you can help this show. This show is listener supported and we appreciate every little thing that you do to help this show be great and I am glad that it is great across the world in as far as South Africa, New Zealand, our people are listening and they are supporting all over these great United States and I am just so excited and I'm happy for you. Quick thing, join me this Saturday, April the 30th, uh, uh, at 5 o'clock. If you go to my Facebook page, Lorenzo Neal, you will see the announcement. I'm celebrating 30 years in the preaching ministry. Yeah, you heard it right. I've been preaching for 30 years officially. Not officially, I got them papers when I was 16, and I've been going strong ever since. And I'm inviting you to join me in the wonderful virtual celebration of 30 years of ministry. And Go to my Facebook page and Instagram page and Twitter page, all social media. Uh, it's on there, and you can follow the link, and you can join in. We appreciate you if you choose to do so. As you know, there's been a lot going on, so I'm not going to take a lot of time. I'm going to hurry up and get into my topic for today because I want to discuss this and, and explore it as much as I can um, because this is an interesting thing. You see the title and you see what we're going to be talking about. And I, I just thought this was an interesting thing. As we explore this topic of black faces in white spaces, it, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. I, I, I mean, it is a lot. Now, if you're not familiar with the topic, let me give you what I'm going to be talking about. Specifically, events that led to this particular topic. One was the Country Music Television Awards that happened recently, and it was hosted by actor, um, what's the guy's name? Um, he's Marvel. He was the the Marvel guy. <laughs> Not Marvel guy. Mackie. I can't think of his first name. But, uh, Mackie, he played, uh, falcon in the marvel series i had it just that Uh, but anyway uh mackie was the host and r&b artists monica and jimmy allen performed with country uh, music band what's the name of the band what's the name of the little big town now, I've heard a little of Big Town's music, and I think they they groove. They got some wonderful harmonies that just capture you. And I, I really enjoy listening to them. But uh, um, Monica performed, and Jimmy Allen performed on stage with the group, and they got a negative reaction, a negative reaction from a commentator now people call him a right-wing extremist commentator i don't think so i think he's just you know big mouth like all these other con- commentators you know these pundits no matter what uh ideology they, they share they all got big mouths and i'm one of them <laughs> even though i don't do a lot of political commentary i still for share commentary I, technology is just not my friend today I just heard the like anyway I'm, I'm getting a lot of feedback let me uh let's let's try to fix that real quick I think we got I think we got it I think we got it um I get, yeah, I could hear. We're good. All right. It's just picking up everything else, so we're going to break it down some. And, you know, my producer, is, who's usually working with me, <laughs> is having a difficult time. We Technology has not been our friend today. And so y'all just, uh, we apologize in advance for how this comes out. I'll take a step of uh, responsibility for it. Because uh, I'm doing most of the the knocking and stuff that you hear, I'm moving of my hands and just knocking everything, so all that extra noise that's usually there, not there. You're hearing it. That's because of me. Okay, got that out the way. But anyway, so Monica performs with this this group on the CMT Country Music Television Awards well received Mackie is the host and it is their way of being inclusive (laughs) I'm just kidding Um, but it, it it has received negative feedback not from a lot of people but it has received negative feedback from one person and oh yeah buster rhymes was <laughs> buster rhymes was was re- remarking i mean re- commenting on this anyway but it it was it, it was something Buster rhymes has nothing to do with the form- performance, but I was just reading something where he replied to a reply from c m t regarding the performance and I just had to pick that out. Y'all you know, just disregard it. But anyway, so here it is. This guy named Patrick Howley, Howley, Howley um, Patrick Howley, Anthony Mackey, thank you. Uh, Anthony Mackey, who plays the Falcon in the Marvel comic movie series, the MCU. Um, um, was the host or uh, co-host of the show and Patrick Howley who is this uh, political pundit right wing uh, you know whatever it may be um, he, he sent out a couple of re- or he made a, re- a video and um, in the video he just kind of he says what other white people were probably thinking but he just said it out loud and it was regarding the number of black people who were a part of country music television awards now uh, I'm not going to lie I grew up listening to uh, country music R&B, and hip-hop, and and classical too. So, you know, across the board. Because of MTV and uh, all this other stuff that came in, you know, with music, television, videos, and all that stuff, I got a lot of exposure to rock, metal, and all that. That wasn't my preference, but I got exposure to it. And I got exposure to Garth Brooks. And, um, who else? Dodd, yeah, I mean some of course Hank Hank Williams Jr. Um, uh, shoot, there's quite a few that I just got exposed to in one way or another, and I had an appreciation, a really appreciation for Conway Twitty. <laughs> I love Conway Twitty, and when Conway Twitty became a running Joke on Family Guy. I was like, "Yeah, that's 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 good. That is good, because I got the reference, and I could I could go through the list. Uh, I could talk about Big and Rich. Uh, I, I like those guys, and liked a lot. And um, there's a lot of them. Who uh, country western artist Shania Twain." Taylor Swift started off as country western and of course you know you had your Charlie Pride and, and now you have Darius Hicks there's some other young black women I can't call their name who are part of country music and country music has always been like this this southern or yeah, yeah this basically southern white Thing. And I think about the song Rhinestone, Cowboy, and the movie Irving Cowboy with John Travolta. And, you know, all the westerns that you can think of. On Saturdays, I was forced to watch Rifleman. <laughs> I could go down the list. And, uh, you know, my great-grandmother was watching them, and I was just watching. My grandfather was watching them. And so we got exposed to country, uh, the idea of the cowboy, the Wild West, and, of course, who didn't want to play cowboy and Indians, all that stuff. Got that exposure. And, you know, eventually country music evolved. It it began to integrate the music that was adjacent to it. So you started, uh, especially around the mid nineties and the early two thousands, you started seeing these country music acts integrate hip hop type beats and music into you know, into that music. Think about Tim McGraw and uh uh his wife and, and all that. you know, and I'm going down the list. Like I said, I was exposed to it. Get to hear it. But I, I said all that because on, on Wednesday, this past week, the country music television had their awards. And a guy by the name of, I, I just said his name, um, he, he made comments. Patrick Cowley is the name. He made comments about there being too many black folk and this is what he says Listen, listen he said uh there are too many black people at the country music awards country music is different it's not wakanda <laughs> goodness, gracious. and he he you know that would have been okay we could have let that ride but you know, he, he goes on and said, I don't know who the black guy is hosting. it. It's supposed to be country music. No offense. You all have hip-hop, basketball. Just fly with your flock, bro. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> if that is not the most insensitive statement, Made, I don't know what, yeah, I could think of a lot, but for this particular instance, and and, and like I said, he was saying what are probably a lot of white people were thinking they just did not say the fact that he believes country music should be relegated to only a white culture. Apparently he doesn't know about bluegrass and the integration of bluegrass and gospel. Uh, Apparently he doesn't know about Ray Charles and how way back (laughs) in in the, what, 50s and 60s, Ray Charles was doing country western music. He integrated gospel melodies and cording into his music, with country music, and bluegrass, man, bluegrass and blues are not much different. It's just regionally different. <laughs> it, it, that's basically it. Bluegrass originated in, what, in Appalachia, maybe, I can't really say, but, you know, there's a bluegrass, but then... Blues included a lot of the instrumentation of bluegrass at one time. You know, with the exception of the mandolin. I think the mandolin is the primary. That is one of the primary instruments of that differentiate country western. And and then you got to differentiate country western from country music. That there's a whole, you know, there's a whole different rabbit hole to go down. But anyway, they, he said, there's just too many black people. Too many black celebrities attending a country music award. What are these black folk here for? They got their own. They got BET. Well, BET really is <laughs> black owned anymore. <laughs> so, you know, he... You got hip-hop. And here's the biggest thing that I think that was the most insensitive that he didn't consider. You know, when it comes to music, music appeals across individuals, across um, it just across the board appeals to human. We like what we like, how we like it. And we find inspiration, we find motivation, we find all kinds of things from various genres of music. In the gym, I'm not listening to gospel music. Uh, I might put on Metallica, and that's what I'm going to do my workout to. You know, this morning I was walking to Chicago. That was my, I mean, I put on Chicago's greatest hit. Listening twenty five sixty four Saturday in the park. I can go on and on. That's one of my favorite groups. Next Earth Wind and Fire. All right, and so you know, but when I'm studying, I might put on Vivaldi, Four Seasons, or Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, and hell, I even wrote a whole research paper on Stravinsky <laughs> in grad school. So you know. But at the same time, I'm very much aware of culturally I should be reflecting what I should be reflecting, right? So, yeah, I'm going to listen to some R&B, 70s old school, uh, maybe a little Destiny's Child. And more recently, you know, I was listening to uh, Smoke Pop, Nipsey Hussle, and um, who else I got? Hey, I got a very playlist, a a, a very diverse playlist. Um, Big Crit, I love Big Crit. Don't know why I love Big Crit, but I love Big Crit. Anyway, but at the same time, I got the Fred Hammond. I have uh, uh, I have Lecrae. I have Marvin Sapp, Marvin Winans, BBSCC, and. Ricky Dillard, uh, I still have Tone, even though he goes by B. Slade and he's rocking with Patti LaBelle right now. I still got him in my playlist too. And I, I'm saying all that, I'm being very selfish because I, I understand how diverse music is and people forget how much different musical genres influence the other you know, and how everybody across the board listened to different genres of music, R&B music, those people who were able to make it off the chitlin circuit back in the 50s were doing so because white people were paying to see them, white kids were coming to their concerts Little Richard and and I can get, man I'm forgetting uh, these guys back in the 50's and 60's they their primary audience was black but their main supporting audience you know where they got the bulk of their income was white and it's the same thing today how do you think Jay-Z and Kanye have become billionaires? It wasn't from black folk. Because if we could, we'd bootleg every CD. Every. If we didn't have to pay the stream, we wouldn't. I'm, I know that is racist. That is just racist and all. You know and uh, you black folk listening to my channel right now to the, this broadcast, y'all know it's true. <laughs> it, it is true. But, you know, we we know that in order for us to thrive, hip-hop has become what it's become, not because of where it originated or become a, because of its primary audience. It's because of the the mainstream is because of how it was packaged and marketed to other audiences that appreciate i saw a video of a, a white girl uh, going ham i mean really going in full on a rap song word for word even with the ticks that come with the the lyrics I mean, this person had it down, and nobody would take offense to that. But this person, Patrick Howley, took offense to black people being at the country music television awards. More particularly, the fact that um, a mainline, well, no, no mainline, but a country music group group, allowed a black artist to perform with them. (laughs) So the performance included um, R&B singer Monica, along with uh, Jimmy Allen, who is a hip-hop kind of crossover act for country music, along with the group um, Little Big Town. Now they have a single that what well, they did together It's called "Pray," and it you know it's a big hit. Um, it's a big hit. They loved it, and it's well received. And it's a faith centric kind of song. It's one of those songs that uh, everybody can appreciate. What I'm gonna say is faith-centric, well, yeah, it is faith-centric, but it's just, it's definitely a crossover, and the spiritual overtones, the faith overtones, are what really, really makes it appealing to the country music audience, and Monica has a testimony, and she talks about it, and but anyway, the music, the song is, it's just a wonderful song, right, but, uh, this this guy slams it because too many black folk this is you know, white people music he didn't say it that way but that's clearly that's clearly what it it implies he did say this this is not one of his quotes um, there's so many black people here, so many black celebrities who have nothing to do with country music. And, and you see that part, nothing to do with country music. And then, no respect to the Funky Brothers of music. Country music is different. It's not Wakanda. You know, I don't know what to say you know, (laughs) it's not shared by the masses, his thoughts, I'm speaking specifically, it's not shared by the masses, and he's catching fire for it, and Monica has, you know, she's spoken out about it, and a lot of people are speaking out about it, and, you know, I see why they say he is racist or white nationalist or whatever it is. But like I said before, he simply said what people were already thinking. And then in another in a in the same universe but in a different spectrum of the universe, a black artist who does contemporary Christian music, you know, he contemporary christian music is not gospel music they're different you know yeah it falls under the gospel it falls under the umbrella of gospel but there's black traditional gospel and then there's contemporary gospel christian contemporary right and so this guy chandler moore is the artist um and he's been catching fire he's been under fire because people are saying that he's denying his blackness in order to be accepted by white people more specifically uh he he he's with this group called Maverick City Music and i think Kirk Franklin um several other very prominent artists are also with this group. I can't, I, let me, I don't want to say that it's the truth, but I know Maverick City has a tour that's going around the country. A Ker Franklin Thai tribute and um, several other Christian artists are part of it. I don't know if they're specifically uh, a part of the label, but anyway, I'm getting off. Uh, Chandler Moore is a wonderful, wonderful and gifted singer, but he's getting pushed back because uh, of something he sent out. He talked about restraint, and I uh, got this story from the Old Black Church. You can go to the Old Black Church uh, blog spot dot com and you can read the story there. But what he what what the article says from that is that um he's catching deserved pushback for a post that he said about restraint. The thought that he uh for the sake of being in proximity to the white people because White people buy the records, pay the bills. So here's the here's the post that he read. He wrote. The restraint that is a part of the creative process is something a lot of people don't understand. The bigger the audience, the greater restraint. People think I'm not black or Pentecostal or gospel because of the restraint that I have in the music I release. People just truly don't understand. LOL on any day you can catch me singing quartet or walking around my house hooping like I'm a preaching in a 50-seat storefront church. But you're not going to hear a lot of that unless you really study our music because of the restraint I have for the audience I'm assigned to. This applies in any circle, music, any genre, business, creative design, fashion, style, ministry, etc., A lot of us have fumbled opportunities because we tried to give them everything we knew instead of everything they understood. Again, the more broad your audience becomes, the more restraint is needed. And people took that as cold as, sometimes you gotta act white and be white so the white folk can pay you right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, I understand completely what he's talking about. I I wouldn't have used the word restraint, but this is a kid. You know, he's he's a Z generation. He's just you know young kid, and they grew up in a whole diverse, different type of diversity. <laughs> you know, I grew up. There wasn't a lot of diversity. It was just just beginning to emerge but they are in full diverse mode and black folk are picky we want you to if you start out one way you better stay that way you know quick to call you sell out and he said i have a broader audience than just my white my my black Pentecostal gospel music listeners you know and and the reality is true you know you won't find a lot of black gospel choir music or choirs being invited to perform at you know mega venues they're usually relegated to church conferences and a lot of you know black church conferences want those type of uh, artists because they're you know they're revalidating the black church kind of m- movement, but the white folk wanted to white folk want to be able to clap and dance and shout, but at the same time uh, they want your music to reflect them, they want to try to connect with it they want want it. they want to connect like the black folk do in church. And now, here's the fun thing. I saw a video on TikTok that was shared with me of a white guy. and a, It looked to be a predominantly black church. And they were singing, oh, happy day. And, you know, he was in the front of the church. He was clearly a foreigner because he had an accent, some type of foreign accent. And, you know. He, he was excited they were singing, and when it came to an end, he said, Okay, now let's shout. Now let's dance. Let's shout. He counted it all. One, two, three, and they went in. boom-chap, boom-chap, boom-chap. You know, y'all, know y'all know that good shout music. They went to the good shout music, and he started dancing like we black folks shout, you know, moving the elbows, moving the feet usually in one spot <laughs> he started shouting and the the people were looking at him the black folk were looking at him like okay, alright and they said, Jesus and expected him, you know, try to get into a call response and they, you know, they engaged him Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah and so forth and so on but it's just the fact that he was like, I'm in this black church. I don't know if it was rehearsed or not, but he put on one good show for those folk there by showing them that he too could engage in the way that he believed they worshipped he you know for him to count off the shout let it let them know oh he thinks this is how it is instead of if you've been to an actual black church with shouting breaks out it's spontaneous you know we're gonna set you up for it we might start setting you up for the shout the moment we say praise the lord <laughs> before service starts or as we open this service start because we we already expect it and we need a lively kind of service unless we're going to be sophisticated and bougie like at my church sometimes we'll be a little bougie and i'll say praise the lord everyone praise the lord come give god a hand Hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Then there's some Sundays I'll be like, Come on, give God some praise. If you know what he's done for you, I dare you to get up out of your seat and give God some. (laughs) And then I'll break out and do my thing. If they don't do nothing but watch me, I'll get mine in. But anyway... (laughs) I got all way on the tangent on that one. But what Chandler Moore was trying to say is that what one audience expects is not the same as that as another audience. To him, because the more venue, the venues that he performs in regularly are not black. They're more diverse they're multi-ethnic now you know they may be predominantly white but they're they're diverse and he you know he said that I'm going to give them what they want first and primarily because that's who paying and you know doing whatever instead of just say hey you get what you get I am who I am and I think that's why artists uh, I, I remember gospel artist Fred Hammond when he was with the group Commissioned. Commission was a one of a kind group back in the eighties and nineties. I grew up listening to them. You know, they they were very good. And then the other other group, Take Six, the a cappella group, these groups were not well received at first by the black church because they didn't have the black sound. And then you had, particularly with commission, you had Marvin Sapp and Fred Hammond go solo. Marvin Sapp took the more traditional black church sound. He went with it, he rolled with it, and he has been been very successful with it, even having a couple of crossover hits, especially with the tune, Never Would Have Made It. You know, that became a crossover hit. Then you put Fred Hammond, his fellow bandmate, groupmate, when he went solo with his Radical, Radical for Christ in the early 90s, The sound was not traditional black gospel music and people didn't know how to respond to it you know and some of it had that nice little hip hop feel but a lot of it it just didn't fit any genre the more albums he put out the more progressive his sound was and then you had another artist like Israel Halton Israel Halton was predominantly uh, Christian, contemporary Christian, praised music. And, you know, the white people loved singing his music, and black churches were trying to embrace it, but, you know, they had to adapt because she had to move from this choir type of gospel sound to this ensemble sound that was more refined, and more intricate intrinsic and more intricate and all of that so you couldn't have a whole choir singing you could only have a few people singing and the shift from the choir to the praise team that that's a whole different thing on the gospel side but those artists were not well received by the collective black church You had pockets of them who, like in the Word of Faith movement or more independent, and again, more more multi-ethnic type of churches receiving that. But for good Southern churches, it didn't matter if you were National Baptist, Progressive Baptist, African Methodist, Episcopal, CME, AME, Zion. We were still locked into the image of the black singer. Uh, So we were more able to receive B.B. and C.C. Well, uh, B.B. C.C. again. C.C. Wynes was more received, well received outside of the black church even though she grew up like the other's in the black church, Pentecostal, you know, Kojic, more particular type of environment. And yet she's an icon, not just in the black music industry, but also in the white contemporary Christian music industry. And to be honest with you, she, we, I was at a performance she was at, and she sang one of her hits, you know, that everybody knows. Then she sang something that was well received by non-black churches <laughs> well received because again that's the environment that she had mostly performed in so I can understand Chan the more talking about the bigger the audience the more restraint we have to have You know, it's not restraint cause those folk that I mentioned before even though they were uh performing to a largely diverse audience, they didn't they didn't restrain it. Fred Hammond would break out into a shout. Marvin Sapp would break out into a shout. Of course we know the whiners would break out into a shout. You know, they didn't restrain it. But they understood the audience. You know, white people would they can't clap on the twos and fours, they clapped on the one and the three, James Brown had hit me on the one and and, you know I guess they got stuck there (laughs) another racist statement, oh my I apologize for the offensive racist statement about the ones and the threes and the twos and the fours I'm just being funny guys, don't take it serious, but anyway I said all that because you know it it begs the question really how comfortable are white people with black people in their spaces and if they're if they're comfortable is it a virtual signal kind of thing are they only comfortable because you know we got to have them in our space or we'll be seen or, as racist or we really like their music and we need them in our space or is it just like when it comes to country music this is why people think black people should be listening to country music they have hip-hop but if it's if, if we go with that argument black people shouldn't be in country music, they don't have anything to do with country music, then white people shouldn't be listening to our stuff. (laughs) We shouldn't be listening to Beethoven. We shouldn't be listening to Mozart. We shouldn't be listening to Handel. We shouldn't be listening to anything that comes from a predominantly white Musical tradition. If that's the case, but I, I I I understand what Howley was saying. I understanding. I understand what our other brother was saying about audience, and you know Chandler Moore. I understand what he was saying. But music is music, man. I was a music major. I taught music for a number of years. Well, I still teach music. I'm a professor of music. I teach voice, and I introduce uh, those who are in my my care, (laughs) my students, diversity music. You know, I'm going to throw a jazz piece for you to sing, as well as a classical piece. Because they still require a certain degree of mastery. And you, as an artist, need to be able to be as diverse as possible. That's what you have to be if you're going to be successful. It's not restraint. It's not restraint. There are many jazz players uh, who incorporated uh, different genres of music. Into their own music, when I was playing jazz, man, a number of my improvising involved what I was hearing outside of my my music. You know if I could replicate replicate um, country music, riff in my solo, I was going to do it. Many times I've replicated a lot of old music that was way before my time into my solos, lullabies, you know, all kinds of things. Whatever comes on your head, you you put it out there, not trying to hide. And I think about, you know, I think about artists back in the 40s and the 50s and how... Across the board, there was this sense of collaboration. Even though there wasn't really true integration musically, there was this sense of collaboration. I'll borrow from you. You borrow from me. We're going to integrate this together. We may release different sounds, different records, but you'll hear our influence. I know Miles Davis did that quite a bit especially in the latter part of his career, after Bitches Brew, he started integrating and drawing from the music of his age at that moment. Not his age, physically. But, you know, I'm talking about in the 70s, you know, as he got into this acid rock um, jazz fusion kind of thing that rolled over all. I remember his last album and seeing Miles Miles Davis on BET, his video and this dude and this these weird shades playing a trumpet, and it has this hip hop kind of undertone to it. And I'm like, what is this? I knew about Miles Davis, but the Miles Davis that I knew were from the album covers where I saw, you know, clean cut in a suit not this <laughs> that guy <laughs> but I appreciated it because he understood that he had to be musically diverse it's what resurrected his career you know in the mid 50's it's what drove his career to his death and the same thing now with hip hop artists you know majority of hip hop from the 80s and 90s were drawn from various musical genres. The influence, the thought, the lyrics reflected the various things that those artists were influenced by. And they didn't hold back. There was no restraint. You know, Dr. Dre with N.W.E.A., Drew from, you know, the funk of the 70s. But then as he began to evolve, evolve, he built other music vocabulary into his output. And all I'm saying is, you know, white people, and I'm saying this in the most generally unoffensive ways I possibly can. White people want us in their space to a degree. They do. And, and I've said it before. Uh, I think I said it on my last YouTube space video. Black people, we are—we have infiltrated every space possible, politically, educationally, financially, uh, every space. We have infiltrated it, and infiltrate is probably not the best word, but we have integrated it and have risen to the top. I'm not talking about collectively, but individually. You know, we have billionaires now. People who grew up in the projects are billionaires. Uneducated people, you know, are multimillionaires. And we are educating or funding other educational opportunities. Um, you can go on. We, You know, we have authors... We have poets. We have persons of diverse energies and means of communicating. And we should never be boxed in. Black people should box other black artists in. And white artists shouldn't be black uh, boxing black artists or audiences in. Because humans just connect with whatever connects with them. And so, while, you know, we've got a long way to go. The goal should not be, you know, to have more black faces in country music. You know, that should be the goal. It should be organic. If more black people begin to see country music as an uh, authentic outlet for their creativity, then so be it. I mean, white rappers did it. That's how we got Eminem. That's how we got uh, Machine Gun Kelly and all these other (laughs) Paul Wall. (laughs) We got them so... you forgive me, but we 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 have diversity, and I think it's just childish, immature for persons such as Howley and others who think like that, who were, you know, looking at that event and thinking the same thing. Too many black people. Go back to y'all. Well, we still got the BET Awards. And I guarantee you won't see uh, <laughs> Jimmy Allen. You won't see... <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. You, you won't see um, Jenny Allen. You won't see... Um, what's the other... The group I just said that Monica performed with. You won't see them receiving... A BET Award, you won't see them receiving an NAACP Image Award, because that's supposed to be for Black folk. And you know, wasn't that long ago Black folk were even getting Grammy Awards, or I don't know, do they still do the American Music Awards show (AMAs)? That used to be. Big, You had the Grammys, then you had the EMAs, and people were performing on that. I don't know if they still do that. But anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm running out of time. I didn't even tend to, to be that long. But, again, thank you guys for listening. Make sure that you go and follow us on all the social media Zero Network on Facebook. Go like that page and listen to archive shows on Twitter. Follow us. And if you haven't done so, I, I want to invite you to become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Um, it's listener supportive, so we need your help. And uh, follow me on all my social media and visit com Get your copy of my book. Or Eating up my books. (laughs) However you do it, we appreciate it. I'm gonna close this out. Appreciate you guys for listening, leaving comments and feedback, and whatever you do, continue to to support us, listen to us, love us, and we love you. I'm out. of host. Thank you again for listening and tune in for another great show.